Hey, hey, dear listener. Today is a bit of a different episode. I'm coming at you from the past because I'm currently out of town and not able to record. And I'm on the road, so we're recording this ahead of time. It's going to be an episode about J-Mike. Yes. But I'm here. I'm Chris. And I am J-Mike. Let's roll the theme song. All right, well, we're back, and I'm about to sort of sit back. Well, what we're going to do is, for these two episodes while I'm gone, since we can't exactly follow up with recent sports news, what we're planning to do is sort of go over our history, our sports history, our fandom, and figured we'd start with J-Mike. So... What was like? What was the first sports memory or thing team you started going for? Like, what happened, Chris? I would my earlier recollection would be baseball because i I played it. I played it at such a young age growing up. Of course, starting out in t-ball yeah it felt like almost everybody played t-ball yeah when they were a little kid yeah start starting out of course and that's that's basically how you do get started into coach pitch where the coaches would put the baseball in the pitching machine which Coincidentally, I got hit more in coach pitch than I did in fast pitch. In fast pitch, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's crazy right there, Chris. But going off of what you just said, and then of course the next level is fast pitch or kid pitch, if you want to call it. Yeah, and I played all of that in the Tupelo Park and Rec. I remembered. I remember doing T-ball at Ballard Park on a dead gum soccer field, ironically. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> which I, I, I also I also played soccer as well as a kid for, I think it was only three years, but as well at, at Ballard Park because that's, that's normally where all the park and rec soccer games were played at in Tupelo Mm -hmm. were at at Ballard because all of those soccer fields that they have but now Ballard Park has a lot of baseball fields yeah they've got all of a sudden they got some really nice ballparks over there now for for kids to play at. and I I actually was just recently at Ballard Park two days ago 
and I, I actually, I actually kind of walked around the uh, both the soccer complex and the baseball complex, and which I kind of hate, and I'm kind of jealous that I never got to play them at that baseball complex because it, it wasn't there at the time. Right. But, but going forward with when I did play baseball. So I played T-ball at Ballard Park. I played coach pitch where I went to lower elementary school, which is at Thomas Street Elementary in Tupelo. Mm-hmm. I played I played coach pitch there, which they don't do that anymore. And I played fast pitch or kid pitch. I played that at two two different areas in Tupelo. I first played it at the field the baseball fields at Joiner, the little park that they have there at Joiner Elementary School. Okay. Yeah. The first field I played on was actually a actually, you know, two Mississippi sports hall of famers that I'm, I'm fixing to discuss here. But the first one being the great boo Ferris and that there, there's three field, there's three fields at, at Joiner. The, the one that was next to city pool at the time, that was the one that was called boo Ferris. Yeah. I remember playing over, over there in that area. Ironically, you and I were on the same, fast pitch team yeah apple uh, applebee's that was the one year i played fast pitch it, it didn't last very long and and i, I remember playing a lot of games at, at boo ferris let's see the other field which is by the tennis courts now at joiner is former st louis cardinal all-time great and mississippi sports hall of famer as well and stan musial oh yeah it's a big name and that that field that field was to the to the the furthest left i i guess i could say and the field in the middle is called andy reese but i never had the opportunity or chance to play on that field that actually used to be the former baseball field of the TCPS Eagles oh, high okay. school team. Yeah, maybe that's why we – I remember we never played on that field. I don't know why. Maybe that's part of why. Who knows? Yeah. But, but yeah, we, we never played on that field. And and I, I noticed they played a lot – a lot of – trying to remember – Maybe it was maybe it was some older, older, older teen baseball. Maybe oh, like uh, I can't remember what like they call vintage that. baseball. Maybe okay. They, they play they played a lot of games on Andy Reese Field. That would be fun. That. I've thought in the past how fun it would be to to play on a like a eighteen eighties rule baseball. Because I I remember I remember a couple of friends of mine talked about playing baseball you know and we're in high school 
And of course, by that point, you're either on the high school baseball team or you're not. Right. And you figured that, okay, if I'm not on the high school baseball team, well, that's it for me. Well, not exactly because they were playing games like that in the evenings, you know, a few hours after school had let out. And I I remember, I remember a couple of people that I knew were playing in that. I don't know if it was a league or what. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. Honestly, I was in the dark. I obviously was jealous, but I, I had a lot going on with school and, and, High, being in being in the high school band as a percussionist and around that time it being the spring that would have been our indoor drumline season so i was wrapped up in that but obviously i i i always had a deep desire of continuing to play but I, i'll touch into that in a moment but the going back to early years of early childhood years of playing baseball. The other complex that I played fast pitch was at the baseball complex at Veterans Park. Okay, I Tupelo. never played over there. Yeah, I never played over there. I, Chris, I, if I remember correctly, I only played on that. I only, I only played on a couple of those fields for, I believe, one season. And that was okay. that was my last that was my last year playing park and rec in Tupelo. If I ever drive by after a heavy rain, those fields are underwater. It's yeah, it collects over there. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because there were a lot of times where we had games canceled due to a torrential downpour and rain, and the field conditions were awful. Yeah, well, it's it's built in a floodplain, so <laughs> that's probably why. Yes, the floodplain over there. And so, yeah, you can imagine that a, a pretty good portion of games were canceled throughout the season, which I can't even remember how many that we would play in the spring. But then I – this was my last year playing baseball. I was in the sixth grade, and – my younger brother Lee had actually started playing travel baseball with a team out of Sherman, Mississippi called the Sherman Browns and how they came up with their name and colors. Of course, the, the head coach of that team, his family his son that was on the team and i'm i'm sure a couple of the other parents and their their sons were st louis cardinal fans right and a lot a lot of people don't know this or remember this but before they were called the st louis cardinals they were the st louis browns well and there were two teams in st louis for a while they had the browns and the cardinals for a bit well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's where I just meant. People forget about the Browns. Is is yeah? Is, is okay. what I'm trying to forget. Because the, the Browns were in the American League, right? Yes. If I if I yeah. remember correctly, they were. I, I think so. But interesting, uh, interestingly enough, they decided to adopt the Cleveland Browns as colors of brown and orange. 
So their their jerseys were orange and their let's see their caps and socks were brown. Almost looking like UPS out there. Yeah, I know it. Or what can Brown do for you <laughs> today? Which they lost a lot of games, so they didn't do very much. <laughs> they didn't they 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 didn't get in the win column very often. Let me let me put it that way, but so my my brother was playing travel ball for them and I remember it was it was I think it was close it was around the time that they had started or middle of their season and of course at at this time school was still in session we're still in the spring semester of school so it it's it's somewhat close to school being over with right you're Closing in, out the year yeah you're in march april around that time frame of the year and i remember being being approached and being talked to about how they were trying to get and I and I, I believe I believe this goes to what we just talked about, Chris, about some kind of middle middle school age kids playing kind of upper level ball, but it's necess- it's it's not it's not park and rec related. Huh, okay. But I remember getting approached and being talked to about this this Sherman team. Right. Needing players to to you know to be able to field a team for that that short little season and I definitely was in because I had I had quit baseball for a year and I I definitely had the desire to keep playing and so well and it sounds more interesting to be part of a travel oh yeah team like that oh yeah and and, and exactly Chris and it's something I wanted to do as well because i'm not gonna lie to you seeing my brother getting to travel to these baseball tournaments throughout the spring and summer i was jealous because i i wanted to be a part of a a, of a travel baseball team now now there's there's a lot of money involved with that for sure right and i i remember my my parents at the time, you know, forking over a lot of money because my my brother played travel ball for up until he started playing middle school baseball for Tupelo Middle School and starting to get into the Tupelo baseball program, if you will. Yeah, like Start, starting in starting in eighth grade, even and, more competitive and and so. Yeah. And so my my brother my brother consistently played travel baseball at that level, but anyway, I remember they were they were needing players for this the Sherman team that they were starting to starting to uh, gather together, and you're not going to believe this, and I don't believe I've ever told you this, but Hamp Shaw. Oh. Him. Who we actually just recently saw a couple weeks ago at our ten year high school reunion. Yeah. 
And, of course, we graduated with him at Tupelo High School. But his grandfather was the coach. Oh, okay. And and if I, if I remember correctly, Chris, he was the one that was basically recruiting me here. Because, I mean, I'm just sitting there watching my brother practice because they had a practice at the Sherman. There, there's two fields in Sherman. The bigger field and then the 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 travel field that they played mm-hmm. or that that they, that they practice on, for I should the say, more younger, right for for that kids. team for the Sherman Browns team. And I told them I I definitely wanted to do it. And this team we were sponsored by Gardner Watson. I believe I believe they are a. I think they're a cubed and crushed ice distributor, huh. if I'm not mistaken. You know how you always see the bags of ice right. at grocery stores and convenience stores. Yeah, yeah. And and it, and they they're uh, they had that that big polar bear. Yeah, I'm used to seeing that that polar bear. I'm wanting to say I'm wanting to say that was the company that sponsored us. So. Our jerseys were navy blue with white lettering across it, and it it said Sherman and then Gardner Watson right below. Oh, okay, y'all should have been like the and, and we wore we wore uh, gray pants. Y'all should have been like the polar bears or the the freeze or something like well, that. Well, you know, you know something. We never adopted a team name. We were just known as the Sherman team. But yeah, yeah. Chris, that would have been that would have been a great team name <laughs> for sure. But but this team, Chris, we um uh, let's see, we traveled to Verona, Shannon, Saltillo, Oklahoma. A lot of Lee County. Yes, yeah, so it, it was it was basically just the Lee County League. Okay. And maybe Gosh, I don't I don't remember I don't remember going to Pontotoc. But anyway, we played we played each of those teams, I believe, twice. Either at Sherman or at their at their place. Okay. But the thrill for me is on the first day of practice, Hamp's granddad is starting to get to know everyone. And he's he's asking everybody what position that they played in the past. Would they like to continue playing that, or maybe try out at an, at another position? All right. And I remember him saying at that practice, you know, we're going to need pitching. And I raised my hand. I, I said, I said, Coach, I'm a I'm a pitcher. I love to pitch. It's my it's my favorite position to play because I, I said i'm not going to be lied to you I'm, I'm really not that good elsewhere and i remember he pulled me aside and he he said that i, I was going to be his guy on the mound Ooh. and and that that's also another reason why i wanted to be a part of that league and then that team especially because the previous year it was my worst year playing baseball ever at the park and rec level because 
I was on a team coached by he basically had a team consisting of his son with a, a bunch of his buddies. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I was on the bench a lot. And you know, I I didn't I didn't like that very much. I wanted to play just like every other kid wants to play. And I I didn't get to play a lot. And I remember telling my dad, I said, this is not fun. I don't like this. Yeah, just riding the bench. Th- this is this is really taking my love away from the game, which I, I grew up playing, and it's my favorite sport. I love baseball. But I'm sitting there not, not playing and just really upset and hurt about it. And I remember telling my dad, I don't I don't want to go back just to sit on the bench. Right. If if I go back, I want to play. And I remember my dad calling calling that man. I'm not going to say any names. You know, that that's not me. But I remember him calling the man and of course it went to voicemail. Not a shocker there, but my dad basically told him that I would not be returning to that team for the remainder of that season. Uh, well, and, I mean, I and so I quit. I quit about maybe mid to late season okay. that year. Well, and, I mean, and, if you're, and, and if you're I, not really playing much anyway, then you know, right? And and because of that, Chris, and, th- and this happens a lot, and I hate it. I absolutely hate it. But because of that, it really, it really affected my love for baseball there there for a good while mm-hmm. and i just i wanted to play it so bad and I, I i knew i wasn't the most athletic or the most talented but i i knew i could pitch and i loved i i loved pitching it started out in the backyard with me and my brother even though i wasn't a pitcher at the time and the next thing I know, uh, I talked to A.J. Stewart's dad. I was on a team with him and, and A.J. Right. And yeah, A.J. Well. was AJ was our primary pitcher. And I remember he was wanting to give him a break and wanted to see who else could pitch. And he put me in there. And, man, I just started striking out a bunch of kids. And let me tell you, when that, when that started to happen, Chris – I felt really good inside. Oh yeah, because I'm I'm sitting here just watching opposing hitters either look at a called strike three or swinging and missing strike three, and I just it it made me feel so good. It 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 really well. You found something that you know was a real good fit for you, no doubt, and I. I felt just like what pitchers feel nowadays whenever they they get a strikeout. You know, they're so pumped up, full of adrenaline. That's exactly that's exactly how I I felt. And so I just fell in love with pitching all of a sudden. And so I was the I was the main pitcher on that Sherman team. I pitched every single game except for Except for one game, our our good buddy Alex Dillard, he invited me to go to Geyser Falls in Philadelphia, oh. <laughs> and I, I 
it's around the time I kind of needed a break from pitching and, and from baseball for for a game. And so I went to Geyser Falls with Alex and his family. Shout out to Alex, <laughs> my my brother, man, since kindergarten. But I went to Geyser Falls with he and his family, so I missed out on that game. And I heard, I heard the team got absolutely hammered. Oh man, because they they were having, <laughs> they were pitching, um, they were pitching my my neighbor at the time, which I recruited onto that team, um. Uh, Ron Levine, which Ron, I, I don't believe you'll ever listen to this, but if you do, man, shout out to you. <laughs> I had I haven't seen you in years. I hope you're doing well. And my brother, I, my brother Lee, I believe he pitched he pitched too in that game, which is crazy because he actually played for both the Sherman Browns travel ball team and he played for us too. Oh, so he was on both teams. He was. I, I kid you not, Chris. He was. Wow. Okay. Because they, you know, they knew I was the quote unquote star pitcher or whatever you want to call it, and they they wanted to add a couple more people, and they knew Lee was playing for the travel ball team, so they just recruited my brother. Oh, okay. And so my my brother played a good bit for us. Uh, Another guy that, another guy that you remember, he actually, he actually was like a moderator or planner or whatever you want to call it for our ten year reunion as well. Rod Ashby was oh, on yeah. that team. Yeah, I remember him. Oh wow, okay. I and I'm not gonna lie to you, I had completely forgotten about that till now. But Rod Ashby was on our team as well. Huh. Yeah, I remember Rod. Him well. Rod played a lot of outfield for us. Uh, another guy. Another guy from our class, and it, this just dawned on me, Vincent Tate. Oh, okay. Vincent Tate, yep. Vincent Tate played played on our, our team as well. How did y'all finish that year? I, th- Let's see. Oklahoma, Saltillo. We were either... We were either at 500 or maybe two games below. Okay. I I I remember I remember we finished with a, a losing record, but it it was it wasn't much. It was like a real it was close. Like, to it was 500. two game, two games or so from 500. Okay. But I remember the Shannon team always kicked kick my ass if i could say that on here <laughs> and there was one guy in particular i'm not sure if he was the best hitter on the team but he surely he was the best hitter against you anyway yeah he whacked the crap out of me he wore glasses uh-huh and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie to you when he stepped in the box he, he could look a little intimidating <laughs> now i'm not saying i was intimidated by him but he he certainly looked the part when he stepped in the box. And man, I I believe if I remember correctly, he hit a homer off of me. He hit a he hit a loud double that looked like it was gonna be a home run, but it hit off the fence. Mm. And that that cat would always kick my ass if I could say that, but <laughs> you might edit this out, but <laughs> Well no. Sometimes 
that's how it goes. Sometimes you, uh, I don't know, it's like a matchup where for whatever reason you just you get the pitcher good or. But he he hit he hit me every single time, man. But I remember I had some incredible performances against the uh, two Saltillo teams and the Verona team and the Oklahoma team. So yeah, we did we did win four games. I knew it. I knew it. Okay. I knew. I I think we won. Yeah, yeah, four out of six games. Because I, 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 if I remember correctly, it was a ten game season. Okay, so like and I'm, four wins, six losses. I, I'm wanting, I'm, I'm wanting to say that was it. Now it might have been. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It had to be because I had my my best pitching pitching performances were against. The Saltillo team. There were two Saltillo teams and the Verona team, and then standing. It's their last at bat. We got two outs, and the the tying runs at third, so it's ninety feet away. I throw a wild pitch. Oh no! So I'm. It's it's basically a race to home plate, right? I had an incredible catcher. His name was Drew. I don't remember his last name, but he was my my gosh. He he was a great catcher. I'm not gonna lie. I I don't know whatever happened to him. I, I hope he continued playing. But he was a great kid. He was a he was a short kid, but man, he was a great catcher. Mm-hmm. But man, I, I throw a wild pitch. It gets it get past Drew. Myself and the runner from third or racing to home plate drew gets it just in time he throws it to me i tag out the runner before he touches home plate we win the ball game in oklahoma just like you planned it and let me tell you that oklahoma team uh oklahoma teams families and stuff they were raucous i mean they were loud and getting into that just yeah, I mean, they were definitely into the game. So I heard a lot of, like, rally, rally, the pitcher's name is Sally stuff. And, <laughs> and you know, come on, son, you can hit this boy. I heard a lot of that as well. But, yeah, it was a 7-6 to six ball game, and, and we won because, well, we I, I about gave up the lead. But at, on the same – on the same play, and I tag out the runner from scoring the tying run. Well, nice. So that was an exciting end, it sounds like. And been close. But yeah, I remember that like it was yesterday. And so, yeah, we won four, four of six games in a 10 game season. And unfortunately, that was the last time I would play baseball. And I was a sixth grader. And I remember seventh grade year, we had just started going to Tupelo Middle School. And I actually had hemp in a English class. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking with them and, and uh, about 
that team and, and getting that team together again and playing. And he told me that they definitely wanted to do it. He and his granddad wanted to do it. And I remember it was starting to get close to the season. I started to get a little worried because I, he hadn't told me too much. And all of a sudden he's, he's like, John Michael, it's not looking good, man. We've only got six people that have signed up. And that's that's you and me and four others. Ah, uh, so I see. So just and, didn't have and, enough and, people. And of course, you need you need nine men on the field at least. Yeah, you, to be you, able to play. And you want some reserves, extras as well. Yes. And he finally came back to me. He said, "Man, we just we didn't have enough to field a team." And I I was devastated. But at that that same year, man. That's when I got into drumming as I started to get into Tupelo band program and I started to become a drummer and so so you got that to pick up at least no doubt so one unfortunate circumstance led to a, a true blessing and I I started to I started to play drums Right, I mean, literally right after that, and I would go on to play snare drum in the Tupelo High School band, and also ended up getting a college band scholarship at Northeast Mississippi Community College that's just over here where we're at here in Boonville, and I finally made drum captain my second year at Northeast. So that was that was truly a, a blessing in disguise. But sixth grade, yes, that was my last year playing baseball. And I remember still having that that urge and that itch to continue to play somehow. And I started taking I started taking lessons from two great pitchers back in the day. Arguably the the best pitcher to ever come out of Tupelo High School and Kirk Presley. Right. That yep. was was a, a, a high round draft pick by the Mets. Yeah. And had had some great lessons with him and he, he, he told he told me I didn't he end up having injury issues? Yes, and that kind of prevented him from making it further. It did, and he unfortunately never, never had the career that that he wanted, and that he could have had, and that a lot a lot of people expected him to have too. Yeah. He was he was so great, but he also ended up coaching the Tupelo Forty ers Okay. Yeah, I remember them. Legion, Legion team. Yeah. He does it now. Actually, the guy that coaches them now, I know him. His name is McKinley Holland, who is – who does – well, he's he's one of three that does the Miss 98 scoreboard show after the high school football games are over with during the football season that I always sit and listen to mm-hmm. at the radio station. But 
yeah, he coaches them now. But Kirk Presley used to coach the Tupelo 49ers team. But I, I got lessons from him, and I got lessons from a former Mississippi State pitcher. His name was Jeff Hunter, and he actually was coaching my brother Lee's travel baseball team at the time whenever Lee started playing for the Tupelo Rangers travel baseball team. And so Jeff Hunter was the coach of them, and I started taking lessons from him as well. And they both, they both told me that they liked what they saw, that I had, I had potential, I had what it took. But and those would be some good mentors for sure, no doubt. And and they they were, I I think I think I had three lessons, so I, I basically basically even with lessons between the two of them, three with Jeff and three with Kirk. Okay. And I just remembered a lot of stuff that I heard because this was around the time that you and I were, let's see, we were, yeah, we were sophomores at Tupelo High School. And I I would always hear about how kids would get cut during high school baseball tryouts and that they they pretty much took only the kids that played travel ball when they were younger or whose parents had money yeah to be able to you know support and help the baseball program during the season and also with travel funds and stuff like that yeah that's a part of it and that's what I hate about youth sports and high school sports is the fact that there's so much political. Yeah, it, it it tends to happen in every little league, which is unfortunate. I mean, and, no matter what what it is, and 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 then going back to to what I said just a short while ago about when I was sitting on the bench my last year at Tupelo Park and Rec that started to register in my mind as well and I certainly didn't want to give my all to something just to be basically silenced or or being cut and, and and falling short of a of a goal that I had, right? Or or a dream that I had, if if you will, of of making the high school baseball team. And so I started thinking about that, but then I said, you know what? I'm I'm doing really great in high school band. I I had I had just wrapped up the the. I mean, my favorite year of playing in band, which I ended up winning most improved sophomore in our sophomore class in the Tupelo band. I ended up winning that award, voted on by my peers, of course. Which those are the nice rewards to get. And I remember the whole drum line was like, man, we're so proud of you for sticking in there and really improving and helping us out and I just I felt really good about that and I just 
I just had suddenly developed this strong passion and love of playing drums. And the thought that got in the back of my mind that made me stick with drumming instead of trying to get back into baseball and, and, and I, I know I was going to be disappointed. I, I, I know I wasn't going to make the team because of all of that politicalness going on. But that thought in the back of my head said, you, could, you can get a college band scholarship. Oh. And, yeah, it's a good play to go for that scholarship. Rather than having – I mean, more than likely me working my tail off and, and nobody nobody even looking at me from a, a an upper level standpoint, recruiting-wise. In baseball. Yeah, especially in yeah. baseball because you have to be super talented or just talented enough to even get looked at. And I ended up making the, the right choice for me and I stuck with band, but that definitely was the end of my playing career. In, in baseball, but I, I also played soccer. I played soccer for about three years, I'd say. I played I played intramural football at Tupelo Middle School when you and I were in the seventh grade, and I absolutely hated it because <laughs> this was back when I still had baby fat or whatever whatever you want to call call it on me before I really started my growth spurt and they put me at as as an offensive lineman and as a defensive lineman and i oh, man. When, when, when i i thought i would have been pretty good at tight end because i know you remember this back in our sixth grade year we played a lot of football during recess oh yeah that was the thing to do and you you were always all-time quarterback and I was I was some kind of a receiver whether you wanted to call it wide out or tight end but I remember you and I just always had that connection basically yeah, that was, that was just fun your times. basic your basic throw and catch yeah and we, we could always rely on each other and I I figured that that's where they were going to put me at but no you know coaches coaches just have a have a certain idea of, of where they want to put kids at. And I understand that. And so I got put in the trenches. Yeah. It'd be tough, man. And it was, man, I, I went up against guys like Brandon strong. I don't, I don't know if you remember him, Chris, but man, he was just, he was constantly coming at me and I just, I hate, I hated, I hated the contact. Yeah. I mean, the, and that's all that position is. No doubt. And, so, and when, when I when I wanted to catch the football, but they they never gave me a fair shot at an opportunity to catch the football, and so and I and I understand there were there were, I th- I think there were at least, I think there were at least four teams, four to six teams because there were so many kids that that took intramurals at middle school and uh thank goodness i only only had to endure that for a semester because let me tell you after that fall semester i dropped it (laughs) and i I took a computer class (laughs) i ended up taking a computer class or or you know something like that yeah it's unfortunate we had so much for spring 
we had so much fun like uh pitching and catching in elementary yeah. school with football fortunately that didn't that didn't carry over to middle school and that, so i absolutely hated that semester of playing tackle football i i hated it and it I mean, I, I love football, don't get me wrong, but I certainly did not like playing it, so that was the only time I played it. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's it for that. And I, well, I guess we'll go back to, like, you know, at the beginning, your, like, your fandom. So oh, first, yeah. first you were obviously a Cubs fan. And yeah. was that the first, like, team you really went yes. for? Yeah, okay. y- you are correct. You are correct. It all started, my Cub fandom all started when I remembered coming home from school and this was actually, I think this was actually the time where I started riding the bus home because one of my parents would take me to school. Mm-hmm. that morning but i would come home on the bus and okay. i remember and I, I never understood this but we lived in a, a fairly new subdivision in in tupelo at the time called willow chase subdivision which there was plenty of land around it but not that many houses and there were only a few houses that were built mm-hmm it was also where the church that I was attending built the the new home for that said church, which was First Pentecostal Church at Tupelo at that time. Now it's called Life at Tupelo, I do believe. Oh, okay. It's still a Pentecostal church, but it's just a name change. But that was obviously what what got us ending up building a house in that subdivision was because the 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 church all the church family wanted to wanted to build a new church and wanted to have a new location i I guess i could say for for us Uh and so the the church was built in that subdivision first and then it was also followed by the the house that my that my dad got a uh got an architect to construct and then of course they they ended up building it and i'm wanting to say it was our house uh one two three four so there were four other houses in that subdivision but there was pretty pretty good pretty good bit of land there mm-hmm. and of course the the church took up the bulk of it but the bus, whenever the, the bus would let me off, they would let me off right at the the entrance to the subdivision. They wouldn't, the bus driver would never go into the subdivision and then go up the hill where my house was, was on. Right. And okay. so I, I had, I had to walk. I, I had, I had to walk for a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd I'd say at least at least five to several minutes to 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 get to well yeah yeah I'd, I'd say about five minutes and I had to I had to walk up 
and then and then go to the right and then walk up the hill that our house was on and so i just remembered doing that and of course i got got my house key or i i think i think my nana would would wait on me yeah yeah that's right that's right she would sit on her uh on one of the rocking chairs outside and wait on me to let me in okay that way me me and my me and my my brother that is well well i i think now i take that back my my brother was at still in lower elementary and he was a car rider so somebody took him home but i would always get home before my brother lee did so this was one of those instances and my my nana which which is what i called my grandmother people i called her nana she let me in and i remember i would always just hang out with her in her bedroom in in the house because we had let's see her bedroom mine and lee's and then my parents so yeah four bedroom house and I just remember going in her room and she's got the TV on, of course. And on the TV was a Chicago Cubs game. I cannot remember who they were playing, but Chicago Cubs game on WGN. And about what year would this have been? Man, this had to be... This had to be 2002, Chris. 2002. Okay. This this is when I this is when I first really got into major league. Now, ironically enough, you know, I'm I'm playing baseball as as I just But you didn't really pay attention to MLB. I, I didn't. Huh. I didn't. I I know that I know that's crazy, especially for me looking back on it, but yeah, that it's the God's honest truth. <laughs> I just played it. I never watched it. And so my Nana's sitting there watching a afternoon game in Chicago at Historic Wrigley Field on WGN television. I'm telling you, that was the moment I got hooked onto Chicago Cubs, and that's that's when my fandom first began. I was glued to the TV set, watching the remainder of that game, and I just already i was i was in love with the game of baseball but i fell in love with that franchise and that and that city as well now i know i know the city of chicago gets a lot of flack for a lot of awful stuff that's going on there right now but let me tell you there's no other fan base quite like well i i'm sure people can argue with it but well it, cubs fans are definitely unique Yes, I, so. the, the the atmosphere is incredible, and so I just I was just glued, man. From then on out, I, I fell in love with the franchise. And then you got a you got a really soon after that you got a good dose of what it's like to be a Cubs fan in two thousand three. Oh no doubt, <laughs> and they they completely went from worst to first because they were. They were an awful baseball team in 02, but some of the games I ended up watching coming home from school were so exciting. I remember back back in those days, Chris, and I 
it's crazy I'm even saying this. I'm only 28 years old, but <laughs> yeah. that was back when you could record stuff on VHS tapes. Oh, yeah. I remember doing that, recording and, stuff on TV. And let me tell you, from the moment I first watched that Cubs game on TV, that's when I really started to watch baseball a lot more. And I'm not talking about just Cubs. I was watching a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. keeping up with a lot of stuff and there were a bunch of times chris where i recorded a bunch of games on vhs tapes i mean i wonder if those tapes are still and i would sticking around somewhere i would go back i would go back and watch them because there were some exciting games that i saw i remember one game where um chip carey was on the call in chicago and the the Cubs were, yeah, the Cubs were down by one run in the bottom of the ninth at Wrigley, and they had runners, runners at second and third. Guy hits a clutch base hit, so game is tied as the runner from third scores. They wave the they wave the runner from second. They wave him home. And Chip Carey's just incredible on the call. He's like, he's rounding third, and he's coming home. Yeah, yeah. The throw to the plate, he slides, and he's safe. And, you know, crowd's going berserk. Cubs win it, of course. Right. But Chip Carey's call was incredible. That 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 was that was another call that really is. Sticks in your mind. That and, and really uh, – somewhat developed into my my love of and, and, and passion of one day being a, a broadcaster oh i see yeah and definitely a good uh a great person to emulate oh yeah oh yeah no doubt no doubt and of course that that's the grandson of the historical character that is harry carey yeah even great even more famous great cub broadcaster which i'm i'm glad i'm glad we've uh we've brought this up because that according to my nana is really what got her into the chicago cubs was because of harry carey oh, and how okay. colorful <laughs> yeah and animated he was with his broadcast for the cubs on WGN and also with my dad. My dad had just started his on the afternoon Cub baseball games on WGN. So okay. they they watched a lot of a lot of Cubs games at that barbershop in Amory, Mississippi. Yeah, and that would help that would help get your fandom going when you're seeing them on T V all the time. But my my nana my nana is a very instrumental part for sure in in me becoming a, a a cub fan and i i absolutely loved her dearly and I, I i miss her dearly to this day um i just i wish that she could have seen yes. the cubs go all the way in 2016 i was just thinking it's a shame um, that she couldn't see that i remembered i know i've told you this game 6 of the 2016 NLCS i've never felt more confident about something in my life but I knew that that night the Cubs were going to the World Series 
I, I felt it in my heart and in my spirit, and I, I and I'm not gonna lie to you. I I was very emotional prior to first pitch because, of course, I'm watching the, the pregame, and this was on a this was on a Saturday night, and of course, I didn't have to work on the weekends, and I just remember feeling so good about that night because normally with my teams i'm very nervous yeah i used to bite my nails people i don't do it anymore thank the good lord but i used to bite my nails bad and i would be just so nervous and so caught up and i I would i would be understandable being an Ole miss and cubs fan (laughs) i would be pacing back and forth and stuff like that but for the first time in my life i just felt so calm cool and collected about anything and i fully believed that they were going to win it that night and they did and i got i got emotional after the game of course and uh god god i hope i don't cry right now but um it was a special year I remember seeing uh, – I'm sorry, Chris. I, oh, you're fine, man. I'm, I'm collecting myself. Um, I remember seeing a uh, – I'm sorry, man. I remember seeing they, – they kept showing this this old lady. I don't know if you remember oh, this during I, the game. I remember seeing that. Yeah, I do. They, they, they kept showing a – I don't know if you want to call it a snapshot. That's probably not the best description to say, but they, the the camera, yeah, there we go. The camera was always pointing towards this old lady. And uh, when they recorded that final out, and it was on a double play ball, it was a bang-bang play at first. It was a close play at first, but mm-hmm. <laughs> thank the good Lord that that umpire called him out at first. Even though the Cubs were up five to nothing, but you, being a Cub fan, no Leaf was ever safe yeah. for years. Yeah, up until that point, especially not in two thousand and three, where they had a shutout going in that game too, late in the eighth eighth inning, and we all know what happened there. But seeing the jubilation from that lady, and and of course she she doesn't get up. Cause she she's an old woman, mm-hmm. so but she she's sitting down and her arms just raise as as high as they possibly could in the air. And of course she's got I, I don't know I don't know if it was her daughter or granddaughter or whoever it was sitting next to her just gives her the biggest hug, Chris. And oh, I yeah. thought about my nana. Oh, I'm sure you did, man. I'm sorry. Man. Oh no, you're good. I, um, I hate for you that. But I, she couldn't have been there to see that too, because that. And I'm and I'm. I'm I know not, you were thinking about her so much. And I'm I'm not doing this for an act, people. I'm seriously emotional thinking about this. But I thought about my nana, and I just wished at that moment I could have experienced that with her. Of course. And that was just an incredible 
team, an incredible run, and it, it was destiny, people. It, it, it was truly meant to happen. And I, the drought lasted 108 years, and one of my friends, uh, Tyler Cook, I'm going to shout you out, man, told me this, and I, I, I never really thought about it. The curse ended at 108 years. There's 108 seams on a baseball. Oh, I never thought about that. So it, it was meant to happen <laughs> at 108. But, you know, they're down they're down three games to one in the World Series. And I'm not going to lie to you, I had my doubts. I, ha- I had my doubts. But I truly believe that this was her spirit in me. I couldn't give up on that team. They were down three games to one, and it, it wasn't looking good. And But I, I had my doubts, and I, I remember telling a buddy of ours, Walt DeLusica, I said, um, I said, I like the Cubs in game five, but I think they I think they lose in game six in Cleveland. Because I, I wasn't sure how sharp Arietta was going to be in game six for us in Cleveland. And um, they won game five by the skin of their teeth they did. But Aroldis Chapman, who I have a soft spot for, he closed it out in game five in a three to two victory. Well, there was a, just so many nail biters at the end of this. What the spirit from my Nana and also this right here, Chris, that I'm fixing to say is what all of a sudden started getting me believing again in this team and believing that this was our year. After they win that game five, three to two, just nail biter. And of course, absolutely nervous the whole game of course it would get worse <laughs> yeah as, as the going. series went on yeah but seeing the camera go all over wrigley field nobody has left the ballpark they are all on their feet clapping mm-hmm. and singing go cubs go And Chicago and Chicago natives hadn't seen this since 1945. Long time. And once again, for as much slack as the city of Chicago gets, and understandably so, but those fans, everybody is on their feet and they're singing as loud as they can. Go Cubs, go. And now you people know how much I love this team. But they're singing, go Cubs, go. Nobody's leaving the ballpark. They are and, – and, and let me get this – let me say this. The Indians are still up 3-2 to two in the series, okay? Mm-hmm. We haven't even tied it. But for the Cub fans to just celebrate a World Series win – in Chicago at Wrigley Field after all of those years of falling short and disappointments that that happened 
for them to stay in that ballpark and enjoy the moment. I just felt this sense of they're not done. Mm-hmm. They're not done. Some, something something special could could definitely happen here. And they go they they now they have to go back to Cleveland for the remaining two games, game six and game seven. They absolutely destroy the Indians in game six. Phenomenal pitching performance by Jake Arrieta and Addison Russell's grand slam early in that game, absolutely huge. And then that game seven, of course, that was wild. Nail biting. Unbelievable. Yeah. So close. And, of course, all the momentum is on the Indian side after they hit that game-tying home run in the eighth inning. And once again, I will say this. I will say this until I can't say it no more or until I'm old enough to where I can't. But the eighth inning of a baseball game is the most critical inning in the game. So much can happen in that one inning and I have seen it happen but especially as a Cub fan but so the Indians tied it up in the eighth and I'm already just dejected all of a sudden well it kind of feels like here we go again yes but you know you know what happens though Mm. when a drought is coming to its end. Rain all of a sudden starts to come down from the sky as this ball game is tied. As the ninth inning just came to a close and they go to a rain delay. And all of a sudden that that spirit man just came back came back in me and told me you know, I mean just I'm not going to say told me but just made me feel like they were going to get it done in that 10th inning when they came back from the rain delay and I'm not going to say it was my nano but I, I, I believe it was God himself that made that happen that rain delay happened because let let me tell you there was no rain in that forecast yeah i don't remember what the forecast was for that night but i remember being surprised when it started just suddenly raining and then the delay well anyway i I don't remember seeing it happen but once again when that happened I, i i thought about my nana looking from up above and I I just I felt like that they were going to get it done in that tenth inning. Obviously, the huge base hit by Kyle Schwarber that had tore his ACL at the start of that season. Um, and it didn't look like he was going to come back, but then they made that that playoff run, and he was able to play in the World Series and was. They they compared him to Babe Ruth back in the day about the performances, just the gutsy 
performances because he he was he had a slugging percentage that was unreal at the start of that World Series. On base percentage was unreal. Like it it was in the ranks of Babe Ruth mm-hmm. in World Series history and lore. Anyway, he gets that he beats the shift. A, a, a guy a guy that's just coming back from a torn ACL beats the shift. The ball pokes into right field, and of course he's he can't run that well, but he's he gets up the first base, uh, gets the first base, and I'm like, man, you know that nor- normally the either the guy the ball would have went right to the second baseman in the shift, he would have thrown him out, but it it squeaked by him, and so they they pinch they pinch run for him with Albert Almora Jr. This guy is to not be forgotten either about what I'm fixing to say next, what he did. Chris Bryant's the next hitter. He hits a deep fly ball to center field. It looked like it was gonna it looked looked like it was gonna leave the yard. And he he was gonna get a two run bomb to put the Cubs up by two. Just like that. But the the wind, you know, the wind kept it in progressive field. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was deep. It was warning track when Davis, who hit the game tying homer, caught it. Al Mora, to his credit, and you know, a player of his stature that hadn't played a lot in the playoffs, let alone the World Series, is got to have a ton of things going on in his mind. But he decides to tag from first base. And he makes it to second safely because mm-hmm. of a because of the errant throw by Davis. Yeah. Of course. And so you've got the go ahead run now in scoring position. The next hitter is Rizzo. They intentionally walk him to set up double play opportunity. As as any coach would, put themselves in a position to get a ground ball double play, get out of the inning unscathed. But in my opinion, this is where Terry Francona messed up. He should have pitched to Rizzo because the guy on the the guy coming up to bat after him, Ben Zobrist, who just a year prior had an incredible playoffs and playoff run with the Kansas City Royals. And so he's got experience in big moments. Yeah, he's used to and, it. And he he had been clutch the past two postseasons for sure. And that's obviously the guy I wanted up to bat. And and um Ironically enough, his he he grew up he grew up in Illinois with his family and his his family, especially his dad, was a diehard Cub fan. And it's no coincidence here that his father was a pastor in Illinois. <laughs> so so he come he comes up. And it's a I remember it's a three two count, full count, and the. The previous pitch, it was one of those pitches where it was right there, and he figured he was fixing to hammer it, and he uh, 
I can't remember if he, I think he looked at it. Yeah, I, I think he looked at it. And I'm like, dang, Ben, that was it right there. And I know he went on to say this too. He, he said in the documentary, he said, man, I hope I get that pitch again. Right there on the outside corner the way I could poke my bat out and put the ball in play. Right. Which is what you want to do. And I'll be dang Chris if he didn't he didn't throw the same pitch at the same spot. <laughs> Zobris didn't miss it this time. Hits the ball down the third baseline. Almora scores from second. Cubs have the lead. Then They ended up walking the next hitter, so now the bases are loaded, and Miguel Montero, who will live in Cubs lore forever, had the biggest hit of the ball game. I don't care. I I, I know I know that Ben Zobra's hit was big, but if Montero doesn't hit that single to score the eighth run of the game, making it a two-run ball game, the game would have been tied in the bottom half because the Indians ended up scoring a run with two outs to make it eight to seven. And when that ball, that little nibbler was hit to Chris Bryant and he fields it, I said, please don't Mm -hmm. overthrow him. Just take it easy. Get it done. Well, well, let me, let me say this. I thought about that. But at the same time, I said, he's got this. At the same time, Spirit said, he's got this. He's going to throw him out. And he throws a strike to Rizzo. Rizzo catches it, and his foot hits the bag. And the Cubs won the World Series, man. And my dad and I were together in the room. That was a very special moment for us. And I just remember he and I just hugged each other. Oh, yeah. And it it it, it seemed like for minutes we we wouldn't let each other go. It it, mm-hmm. it was such a special moment, and uh, of course we're both emotional. We're thinking of my nana, but uh, I was I was so thankful to have shared that moment with my dad because I I, I don't I don't get to spend as much time with them now as, as I'd like to, even though I live on the same land as he does. Cause he, he's now remarried, but, but, uh, I was just so blessed and thankful to have shared that moment with him. Cause I, I know he was tired and ready to go to bed and he had had a long day at the barber shop, but just to share that moment with him, something i will never forget for the rest of my life and it was it was just so special yeah those are special moments of being a sports and and also him taking me to wrigley field for the first time when he had a barber board convention in 2007 that was that was a year because 2003 was the last time they had won the National League Central Division and had made the playoffs and they had a couple of awful years. But 2007 year was special for me. My dad got to take me to Chicago on his bar, on the barber board trip with him. Uh, it was the National 
Barbers Association of America conference that they had in Chicago. And they had a off day from everything. And my dad took me to Wrigley Field for the first time. And to this day, he will tell you that when he and I walked up the tunnel, of course, there's an usher there. And the usher is asking my dad where where our seats were located. And my dad showing her the ticket or whatever. And to this day, my dad will say that the usher looked at me and my face was just completely like I could not I could not believe that I was there you know I was just astonished yeah bewildered astonished yeah it's it's, for for that that moment I was just astonished by by what I was seeing and of course the ushers like is this is this your first time at Wrigley Field and my dad goes well not for me but for my son and this is a very special moment for him and she said I can tell she said I I, I could tell that just by by the look on his face and my dad goes, oh, he's a big Cub fan. And he's like, we're from Tupelo, Mississippi. Yeah. And we're big Cub fans. And and she's like, oh, yeah, I could tell. <laughs> I could tell y'all are big time Cub fans. But unfortunately, the it was, a, it was a disappointing end to that game because the game was tied going into the ninth inning at two to two. Oh, I got to see Carlos Zambrano pitch. Oh, for the Cubs, cool. yeah, that was that was awesome. He was my favorite pitcher at the time. I got to see him pitch, and he he threw a great game. But it's tied two to two in the top of the yeah top of the night. They're they're playing the New York Mets, and I remember Ryan Dempster. Who this is crazy. Ryan Dempster the following year had the best year of his career as a starter. I think he went like 15 and 2. Wow. Or 15 and 7, something like that. Yeah, 15 and 7 overall. Okay. In 2008 for that that career, you know, career year for him and for the Cubs as well season. But he was a closer on that 2017. That ended up that ended up winning the the National League Central division. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, of course, that this was this was this was the first half of the season, right before the All Star break, and the Cubs and the Brewers were neck and neck. They were they were going toe to toe with each other for that first place spot in mm-hmm. the central and they ended up doing that the rest of the season but the cubs hold them off but in this game in this game for instance 
Cubs tied at two to two with the Mets. Unfortunately, Dempster has a awful inning, and the Mets ended up putting a four run spot on the Cubs in the bottom of the ninth, and then they ended up they ended up beating us yeah. six to two, and so that was my first ever experience at Wrigley Field. But then you and I got to go back in 2015, yeah, where they, that, they was, that was fun. Where they made an they had another incredible season. It seems like every the two times I went, they were having a great season, and we saw an incredible finish to that game. A walk off fly ball that just dropped, or a blooper that just dropped. Past the shortstop, said, and I remember it by was, by Cub manager now David Ross. Yeah. David Ross was at the plate. Ironically, when he hit that ball, yeah, how about that? But it was a cold, windy day. Yes, it yes it was coldest, one of the coldest games I've ever been to, and and that that was late May, Chris. Yeah, was, that's what was that was May the 29th, May the thirtieth, and the wind chill was like the mid thirties, and it was cloudy and. Uh, but anyway, that's that's about my Cubs fandom, and I just want to wrap up real quickly about my Ole Miss Rebels fandom. That also has a lot to do with my Nana, because once again, on a Thanksgiving night, right after we had eaten our Thanksgiving meal at the McBunch household, I went into my grandmother's room where she had on the Egg Bowl game between the rivalry between Ole Miss and State is what they they call the rivalry game. They call it the Egg Bowl game. Yeah, and it's always played on Thanksgiving. They're unfortunately going to continue that tradition this upcoming season, which I do not like. Yeah, it's not great for going to the game. But in, in, in a way, in a way, I'm okay with it because of this, because of what I'm fixing to say. But I go into my grandmother's room again, just like I did starting off my Cub fandom. And uh, so I'm watching the Egg Bowl with her, Egg Bowl game with her. And I just remember the commentators really hyping up a player by the name of Eli Manning. Oh yeah. And this, if I'm not mistaken, Chris, this was the, Oh boy. Yes. This was the 2001 egg bowl. So, so this is when I started to watch college football. Okay. So I actually I actually began to watch football before I did yeah, baseball. Just before baseball. And so it's 2001 Egg Bowl. And, of course, Ole Miss had a lead going into halftime, and they gave it up in the second half. And I just <laughs> – I just remembered disliking Mississippi State <laughs> at that from that moment forward. Now I, yeah. I, I I'm not I'm not a troll or anything like that about Mississippi State because they that they they love to hammer Ole Miss and to pick on us and all that. I I, I don't do that. I, I I don't. But you just don't like your rival though. That's just how in-state oh, yeah, rivals yeah. And, work. It, yeah, and it's how it's how it is. But. 
Yeah, I, I'm not a troll or anything like. Now I I I used to be, but I, I really could care less now. Congratulations to Mississippi State on winning their first national championship and and in baseball. I mean, really, congratulations. That's that. It's still incredible. But I'm not. I'm not one to to do all of that like like their fan base likes to do to us. You know, I, I could care less now, but because I've I've matured. But um, anyway, just the the commentators were really hyping up Eli Manning and and then talking about how his brother Peyton was playing in the NFL at the moment and how their their father Archie Manning had left such a great legacy at Ole Miss as a incredible quarterback for the rebels way back when and i just remember being so fascinated by the way that these commentators were portraying and and illustrating the the story about the mannings right and and so of course eli's the quarterback for the rebels playing in that game and mississippi state came back in the second half and beat them and of course the fans and cowbells galore going crazy. And I remember not liking that yeah. very much either. Ironically, my my mother is a graduate from Mississippi State University. And she, of course, would dress me up in Mississippi State clothing, but I never I never was a fan. Mm-hmm. And it was at that moment, Chris, that I became an Ole Miss fan. Watching that Oak Bowl, they actually lost. They actually lost to Mississippi State, mm-hmm. which I just said, you know, about my mom graduating from Mississippi State, getting her degree from there, and and dressing me up in state clothes when I was a toddler. And my dad has always told this story about how we were in the mall one time. And there was, it was around Christmas time or maybe not, I'm not sure the timeline here, but in the mall and he remembers me saying something along the lines of, what's that? What's that? (laughs) Or I want that. I want that. And it's, it's some kind of a Colonel Reb, you know, Colonel Reb ornament or doll or something or another like that. Yeah. And my dad actually grabbed it and and gave it to me for a moment. He also claims to this day that that put him in the doghouse. <laughs> Pardon the pun. <laughs> because, my, because my mom's a Mississippi State graduate and she absolutely hated that that had just happened. Me holding <laughs> some kind of a Colonel Reb doll or ornament or something or another. Mm-hmm. And 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 also me becoming an Ole Miss fan, but that night, Chris, is when I became an Ole Miss fan, and I haven't looked back since. Even though all of us Rebel fans have endured a whole lot of heartache, yeah, there's there's a lot of tough tough moments. But the 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 best the best moment though, football wise, by far was being in attendance in New Orleans to watch Ole Miss win the Sugar Bowl. Oh, yeah, that would be have been super special. And sure. a lot a lot of Ole Miss fans that I've 
talked to and I've heard from or have seen posted said that 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 moment right there was very similar to when Archie Manning led Ole Miss to a Sugar Bowl victory way back when. Yeah, way back. And so that was obviously the the best moment of of being a Ole Miss Rebel fan was seeing them win the Sugar Bowl for by far and I was so blessed to say that I was in attendance for that but that 2001 Egg Bowl was the start of my Ole Miss fandom and I've been a Rebel fan ever since oh yeah of course there, there's there's a lot of ups and downs of course that, that go with that a, a lot of unfortunate circumstances and close defeats agonizing defeats all of that mixed into one is the life, so-called life of an Ole Miss fan. <laughs> it, it's it's this cycle, I guess you could say. Yeah. But there's always, there's always that end. There's always always that pot of gold, I guess you could say. That's that's over the rainbow. There, there there's always something special to hope for. To hope exactly, and and that was Ole Miss football team winning the All State Sugar Bowl in New Orleans in 2016. That was a great year too, because that that started that started off the year, of course, in early January, and then the Cubs would end up oh, yeah. winning the World Series right. late that fall. And I I, I just truly believe that. Uh, my nana was looking down, looking down on it as as all of that happened. So it's it, it it's very ironic that both happened like that, back to back, in in a, in a span of of just a well a calendar year. Yeah, 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 and honestly, I'm, I'm very grateful for the the time that I spent with my my nana growing up and yeah it sounds like she had a huge influence she had she had a huge influence in in my my sports fandom today and i absolutely love sports i love i love watching sports and keeping up with it you, you guys that listen to this podcast you know I, I throw a lot of stats and historical stuff at you it's, it's just because I, I love doing research with sports and I love digging into finding historical numbers and historical things that have had ha, that have happened in the wide world of sports just because I love keeping up with it so much and I'm I'm hoping and praying that one day I get to live out a dream of of being a broadcaster whether it's sports or music or anything in between but that's that's obviously my dream. But I absolutely love sports, and it it all happened because of my nana at a, at a very young age. Well, that, that's why I was wanting to do this with you because I know how into sports you are and how devoted you would be to 
checking yes. stats and scores and what the storylines are that are going on. Yeah, yeah. Because you you know you know me. I'm I'm up late at night when we're getting everything together for our podcast, our show. Up late, getting everything together, and of course putting stuff into my own words. Right. But I, I also I also love to to dig dig in and look around and find some interesting interesting things to to give you and our listeners on each and every episode that we do here on sports fanatics it's just it's just it's just my passion and i i I love it and i'm hoping that one day i'm i'm able to do it at a full-time capacity yeah i hope so job and well, that way it wouldn't be a job. I I could say it because it'd be something that I love. Oh yeah, like a passion. And so. I, I could do it. I could do it every day, and and not not think of it that way. Right. Not think of it as as a, as a job, but like you said, as a passion. And but but yeah, I just I, I just love sports, and I just I always credit my my nana for really getting me involved like more more so involved into into sports and what well, i'm glad we were able to get that backstory to give some context oh no to, doubt and, and, and people people really I, i'm a diehard chicago cubs fan and i just sorry for getting emotional on you guys I, but I, I could not help it I I just remember that first time I walked into her bedroom and watched the Cubs game with her, how special that was and how that's carried over now and all the way to them winning the World Series in 2016. And it was just – it was a very emotional time, but – also obviously very blessed to have finally see it come to fruition and it it's a special moment in my life because i i don't have a girlfriend i'm not married and nor do i have kids but yeah that that's that's a that's a special moment in my life them winning the world series and when i'm glad you're able to share that oh man i just yes chris i just i appreciate you for 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 letting me be able to do that oh well oh you're welcome i, I, I surely, you for being a part of this because you're you I mean you're a huge part of because of this so because i i mean i i i enjoyed touching touching on my my history i guess i could say of my sports fandom and and how everything turned out in a timeline type of a way but well and hey as as far as that goes if people want to follow you and keep up with what you're saying yeah where can they where can they do that oh yeah yeah guys just once again i love i love sports i love talking sports as i just said if if any of you ever would like to talk sports with me please feel free to add me as a friend 
on Facebook. My name is John Michael McBunch. And you could follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Both of my handles on those two platforms are the same. It's at J underscore Mike Check. All right. So well. please please feel free to to follow or add me. I will I will follow or add you back. Cool. And our I just thank you so much guys and gals for for listening to listen to this today I, once again i'm sorry oh. for getting so emotional well, no, but that good. that uh that's just a, a a moment that will be that will stick with me for the rest of my life and i'm just so thankful and, and, and grateful for uh for god allowing all of that to happen and I'm I'm so grateful to be sharing this with you today on the Sports Fanatics podcast. Yeah, and it's nice to be able to hear all of it. If you if you want to follow the the page on Twitter, it's at Sports Fanatics. Uh, same as the title of the show. Yeah, please feel free to follow us on Twitter. And I'm at Christopheles11, Christopholes11 on Twitter. That's where you can find me. But. Again, J. Mike, thank you so much for sharing all that. Thank you, Chris. With us today, thank you for always getting the pod together, and and I'm just so grateful each and every single time that we get to sit down and and discuss sports, what's going on with sports, and especially today with history of my fond years of playing and and early sport fandom right. if you will and i'm just so grateful for you to getting everything together on a show basis and i just i i can't wait to see where this road leads us my brother yeah same thank you so much for you know being such a great friend all these years and yes we, we've yes, known each other through yes. most of those years we were talking yeah. about so yeah yeah you you are not only a friend of me chris but you were my brother and you you were oh. a part of my extended family and I, I i love you man i love you too man yeah same feel the same and i'm so excited to see where this goes uh, yes we, we we just we, we thank we thank our our listeners for tuning in with us and bearing yeah. with us especially today with me getting emotional yeah. yeah thank you guys and thank you hope you and keep enjoying the podcast and well listen y'all have a great week and until next time y'all take care and my birthday will actually be on the 18th so happy birthday thank you chris and gonna be 29 years of age and just just so blessed and thankful for for god uh giving me a, a another year but uh it's de definitely kind of ironic that i get to share this story today before my birthday yeah, fitting, so right? it, it's it, it is that's also very special and very very cool if i may say so yeah fitting. but we we certainly thank all of our listeners for tuning in to the sport fanatics podcast and we We'll bring you more news and sports stories next time. But until then, take care. Bye, y'all.